Yeah, so um, we're working on that. We're going we're gonna to be working on this next week of getting 100, 100 blankets is what we're looking for. If you happen to have 100 blankets stuffed in a barn somewhere that are brand new and look great, would be good. Would they let me know? I'll buy them from you. But, uh, but we, uh, um, we want to get them. I'm going to bring them in here. I want to bless them because I got this. My message is kind of in here today because the Lord started, I don't know, I can't say the Lord started doing them. But for some reason, I got interested in blankets about a week ago. And I started looking up blankets. I don't know why I was looking up blankets. I was just looking up blankets. And, and I was looking up a merino wool blanket. Then I was looking up this down blanket. Then I was looking, I just started looking at blankets, you know. Thought, well, I don't want a blanket. My wife is in charge of blankets. You know, why am I looking at blankets? But anyway, I lit all this stuff. And so then when Sister Annie, uh, we were talking, she said, oh, we're, we, we were thinking about blankets this year. And I was like, huh, I've been looking up blankets. And so uh, then I called a friend of mine. I said, hey, man, do you have any source, you know, that would have like, we just go one place by 100 blankets, something like that. He says, yeah, I think I do. I'll get my girls on on Monday. And so we're going to find out if that works. But it just amazes me how God starts setting things up like that. You know, you know it's the Holy Ghost, and it's going to do it. But then I got to thinking, because when I was thinking about these blankets, I said, man, I want to get them in. I want to pray over them. I want us to anoint them and pray over them, because I'm just believing that those people that receive a blanket, that just in need when that blanket touches them, it's going to be like the Apostle Paul laying handkerchiefs on people that just get healed and saved and set free and blessed. And, and, and we see miracles taking place from a bunch of blankets that we intended to just keep them warm, but they get warmer of the Holy Ghost. Amen? So anyway, we're going to get that done quickly and have them in here, and then you can give an offering then if you want to. You want to buy a blanket, you want to know that you paid for a blanket, that's great. We'll do that, but uh, we're going to get it going. Amen? Amen. Amen. Don't forget the bookstore. Listen to me. You got all these little books in there. Uh, uh, this, this is another little book by Charles Capps. I told you we're featuring him this month, calling things that are not as though they are. It's what the Bible teaches us to do. Another little bitty book. Listen, to you, you, there's no excuse. You say, I can't read very well. Well, you got a little one you can start on. Hello? Come on. Look at the person beside you say, you can read. <laughs> but all these books, man, they'll change your life. You've got to get little nuggets of revelation. That's what I've always done in life is a little piece, a little piece, a little piece, a little piece. I don't want to go get the big encyclopedia and try to figure it all out. It's just staying with it constantly on a little piece. You get these little books, these little mini books like this. And man, I'm telling you what. They'll set you free, so get in the bookstore after church and get some. But in the meantime, turn, get your Bibles out. Turn to Acts 24. Acts 24, verse 10. Okay, so uh, I'm just going to preach this morning. I'm just going to stir you up some. So it says, the title of this message is, When God Shows Up. <clears throat> when God Shows Up. When God Shows Up, Things Happen. Hello? Sometimes they're good things and sometimes they're not. When God shows up, depends on who you are and what frame of mind you're in and what your heart is. You know, sometimes God shows up and uh, people don't like it. Pharisees and Sadducees, they didn't like it when God showed up in, in Acts chapter 3 in the day of Pentecost, you know, or Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. Hello? The, the Pharisees didn't like it. They, didn't, they, they, they got mad. See, these guys are a bunch of drunks over here. So sometimes when God shows up, it irritates people. But uh, I want to read Acts 24, verse 10. I want to talk about the Apostle Paul's life this morning. It says, so, so let me preface this. 
This is when Paul has been arrested. He's been to Jerusalem. He went into the temple. The Pharisees said, oh, that guy, he's, he's desecrated the temple. He's got, he's got Greeks in here. And so they arrested him. The Roman soldiers rescued Paul. Paul's out. And uh, then they've taken him before the governor, Felix. And now he's up making his discourse. And it says, then Paul, after the governor had nodded to him to speak, he answered his, and he says, and as much as I know that you have been for many years a judge of this nation. I do the more cheerfully answer for myself, because you may ascertain that it is no more than 12 days ago since I went up to Jerusalem to worship, and they neither found me in the temple disputing with anyone nor inciting the crowd, neither in the synagogue or in the city, nor can they prove the things in which they now accuse me. But this I confess to you that According to the way which, I call, which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all the things which are written in the law and the prophets. And I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. This being so, I myself, Always strive to have a conscience without offense towards God and man. So the Apostle Paul was very smart here because the sects of the Pharisees and Sadducees, they, they, they had differences of opinion in their theology. And so the Apostle Paul stands up and he gives this discourse and he, he, he actually gets the Pharisees and the Sadducees to fighting amongst themselves because they didn't all believe that there was a resurrection like Paul was talking about, like we believe. So he was very smart in, in getting them mad at each other. But then Paul says something that I want you to focus in on. He says, I strive to have a conscience without offense before God and man. So the apostle Paul said about what he believed. He said, man, I, I live my life in such a way that I want to know that I'm right with God. Okay, let me just paraphrase it and what I, how I just said it. I just want to know I'm right with God and I've done the best I can with everybody else. That's what, that's what I'd have said. Because I, I know that there's some people that don't like me, but I ain't nothing I can do about it, right? So I, I did my best. I didn't want to just be an offense. But my point is, I want to be right with God. Can y'all say I want to be right with God? I just want to, my whole life, everything about me, I just want to know that I'm right with God. Not right like I'm saved and going to go into the go to heaven. I know that. But I just want to make sure that I don't miss God in something, you know? Like, I just happen to be having a bad day, and Sister Annie says, oh, by the way, we're doing 100 blankets. And I say, yeah, go get your own 100 blankets. I ain't going to do nothing. Because I could do that. I'm human. I could be having a bad day. And I just don't want to miss God. I don't want to get to heaven. And Jesus stands up there and said, well, Robert. Right? I want to get to heaven. And Jesus says, throws his arms up and says, well done, that good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Right? I want to know that I'm right with God. That's what drives me. Listen, I'm sorry to tell you that I'm not driven to make every one of you happy. I'm sorry. Uh, if, you wanted, if you think that's why I'm, 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 I'm pastor, I, I'm, just, I'm sorry. It's not what I'm living for. I'm not living because I know I can't make everybody happy. I know I love my wife with all of my heart, but I know I cannot do everything right and make her happy. I'm going to do something wrong. I'm going to put and insert the foot in the mouth at some time. Hello? 
This is going to happen. It's just going to happen. I'm human. All right. But I want to please Jesus. And so the Apostle Paul, this is what he's saying. I don't want to have any offense towards God. Okay. Now, I want you to go to Acts 22.9. 22.9. In Acts 22.9, Paul is recounting the story that happened to him that you can read in Acts chapter 9. But I want to take it from what he says here in, verse, in chapter 22. He's telling the story about how he was so set in his ways. And he, he got on his horse and he was going off to Damascus to, to get these nasty people that said that they served Jesus and he was going to get them because he was a Pharisee and he was going to drag them before and he'd already gotten people and he'd already gotten drug Christians out of the houses and sent them to prison and done all these things. He was there when they killed Stephen. And here's this man, man, he's tough. He's a person to be feared. And he's riding his horse, but something happens. Jesus shows up. And like I just said, when God shows up in your life and you're confronted with God, something's going to happen. It says in verse 9, then those who were with you, because there was people with him, those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So when, when Jesus showed up to Paul and knocked him off of his horse, knocked him off his donkey, He hit the ground. The apostle Paul, who was really Saul at the time, but the apostle Paul, he saw the light and he heard the voice and Jesus saying, what are you doing? I'm paraphrasing again. What's up with you? What is your problem? Why are you out here doing this? You ain't, this is, you're just butting your head against a stump because you're messing with me. Now, the apostle Paul at that time Let's, let's jump back over. Let's jump back to Acts chapter 9. Y'all just stay with me here. It's gonna, I'm, I'm just got to lay some foundation. Acts chapter 9, verse 6. I want to jump back to the story there. Acts 9, 6. It says, so he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? So when, he, when the apostle Paul was confronted with Jesus, the resurrected Christ, he didn't say, who are you? He didn't say, wait a minute, this isn't right. He said he knew he was Jesus. He knew he was Lord. He knew what he'd been confronted with. And he said, what do you want me to do? In other words, he surrendered his life to him right there. Hello? There was no argument. There was nothing going on. See, we got Christians today that they want to get saved. They want to go to heaven, but they want God to arrange things the way they want God to arrange things because they want to be comfortable in their surrounding. I remember the first time I went to, you know, whatever we want to call it, Pentecostal church, whatever, you know, uh, it was a non-denominational church, but I'm just saying, you know, uh, it it was wildest thing I'd ever been to in my life because I've been raised in a church that every time I made any noise, my mama jabbed me in the ribs and said, be quiet. And I remember being confronted with lifting my hands. And I was like, that is so weird. Why are we going to lift our hands? And I remember, I remember wanting to, I remember inside of me thinking, you know, I, I want to worship God. I want to throw myself down before you. Jesus, I thank you for saving me. But it just was out of my nature. I was a cowboy. You just don't do things like that. And you don't show any emotion. You don't do anything. And I remember like, 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 like I finally got to the little, you know, like little half half like at the waist like gonna lift my hands like this you know and then 
Then it was kind of like one hand, you know, like, like I was asking to go to the restroom or something, you know. <laughs> These barriers I had to break down in my life because I just wasn't comfortable with just throwing my hands up and saying, Jesus, I love you. I surrender all. What do you want me to do? Right? Because there was still the opinion of man. There were still the things going on. We got so many Christians today. They won't pray for somebody else or they'll say, oh, well, I'll, I'll pray. I'll be, I'll pray for, I'll be praying about that. When we should be people that act like Jesus and just say, you need prayer here, let me pray for you. Boom. Miracle signs and wonders happens. That's what should be happening from all of us. But what happens is we're not, we don't have a heart like the Apostle Paul. Now, as far as I can see, you could cut this up differently. But in my opinion, there's, in, the Bible shows us two kinds of hearts. Okay, there's a heart that's, made out of clay, and a heart that's made out of wax. Now, a heart that's made out of clay is like an adobe brick, okay? Like you make it, and it looks good. Like everywhere I've been, all over South America, they do it in Guatemala, they do it everywhere. You know, they come out there, and they have these forms, and they literally are mixing mud up, and they make adobe brick, and they lay it out, and they pour the mud slurry into these little forms out there. The sun shines, it gets on them, it starts baking them. They get hard, they get to a certain place where they develop, and they're hard, and they stick them into the kiln, and they heat them, and then that's what they're making all their homes out of, okay? What, what, what did that? The sun, right? The sun comes up, the sun shines on them, the sun makes them hot, and they turn to adobe, right? Is it the sun's fault? Think about this for a minute. Is it the sun's fault that that stuff got hard? No, sun just did its job, right? Sun just rose up, knees set in the west, it, sun just shined, sun shined, and what the composition of, what, of that mud made it hard, right? Now, if you take the same thing and you took it out there and you took a block of wax, hello? And you put a block of wax out of there and you wanted to build your house with wax blocks. And then the sun comes up. Is it the sun's fault that the wax melts? Sun's just doing its job, right? Sun just shines. But what the composition of, of it melted. So there's two kinds of hearts in the Bible. There's the kind of heart that when God shows up like the sun, you don't want to go towards him. You don't, uh, whoa, whoa, you want me to do that? I don't, you know, you want me to tithe? You want me to lift my hands? You want me to worship? You want me to, you know, read? Read my Bible? It's women's work. Uh-oh, there's something inside your heart. There's some, there's some adobe in there. When God shows up, it starts getting hard, and your heart starts getting hard, and you start getting hard-headed. Because the heart's tied to the head. So you're hard-headed now. You don't want to yield. You don't want to move. You don't want to go. You don't want to do. Ah, I would rather God, God, look, you know me. I'm not like that. And let's just compromise. God, can't you just come to my level and do it the way I would like to do because it makes me comfortable. And God says, no, I'm the sun. I shine. And what is in your heart's going to dictate What's going to happen? The apostle Paul's heart was like wax when he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? The man literally gave up all of his learning, all of his pharisaical training, gave up everything, his status. He could have been the big poopah. 
He could have been the rabbi of rabbis. He could have been the guy with the extremely long beard and the black coat and the big staff walking around saying, I have arrived. He gave it all up. Became an outlaw. Stone. I mean, you go read Paul's story of his life of how many things happened to this man. I, he had to be a walking bruise, a scarred bruise. For all that he did to sell Jesus at the time, when he knocked him off his donkey, he said, what do you want me to do? Now, listen to me, folks. It wasn't that the apostle Paul, you know, like Jesus gave him a good one, and that's what did it. It was what was inside of his heart that made the difference when he was confronted with Jesus. Now, there was another man in the Bible, Pharaoh. Same instance, he was confronted with God. Moses goes up, says, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, I ain't let nobody go. What do you mean that's my workforce out there? Hey, let them boys go. I said, all right. We're going to get a bunch of hurt on you now. You're going to be sorry you ever said that. Man, here it comes. You know, the frogs and the locusts and the darkness and, and all this stuff starts happening to them, right? And it says in Exodus 7, 13, it says, and Pharaoh's heart grew hard. Why? God's there, the sun's shining, the composition of what was in his heart made it a stone heart. Now, I'm here today to tell you that you control the composition of your heart. No man controls it. Hear me now. You're in control of your heart. God didn't make you hard-hearted. God's showing up and you're not wanting to do it. You became hard-hearted, but God didn't make you hard-hearted. God, Bible says, gave you a heart of flesh, but then he wants to change your heart of flesh and turn it into, take that old stony heart out, right? And he wants to turn it into something that's living and breathing for him. But there's something that has to happen. It's the most amazing thing. People, then just listen, to, let me finish this statement before you throw rocks at me. Everybody says, well, there's nothing more powerful than God, but there is something more powerful than God. It's your free will because you can stop God from moving in your life by your free will saying no. Huh? Come on now. Look at the person beside you and say, you know, he's right. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. You can stop the moving of God in your life. By your doubt and unbelief, by your own free will, by you saying, no, 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 I don't want to go down there. I don't want to do that. I've told this story before, but I just, it, just needs buried, it just needs to be told again because somebody here hadn't, hadn't heard it. You know, I was in a meeting. I, was in a, I went to a, 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 a conference uh, with Grant and Keitha, and oh, gosh, it was a long time ago, and we went up there to this church uh, in uh, Shreveport. Wasn't that what it was that? Yeah, it was in Shreveport. We went to this church, big church, big church. Nobody knew me. And so uh, we were, they, you know, they had a preacher's section. And so you can go sit over there. So I told them, so let's go sit over there. It's closer. We'd be up there closer to the stage, whatever. We went down there and asked, we went up there and they had, the church had ushers. And we started going in. We started walking down. And this usher stopped me and he said, uh, yes, sir, where are you going? And I said, I, uh, I was going to go sit over here in the pastor's section. He said, oh, you're a pastor? And it really irritated me. Now, I wasn't dressed in a coat and tie like all the other pastors were, but that just, you know, it just really irritated me. And so I said, yeah, pastor, pastor, living in church, these people with me, my elders are going down here, we're going to go sit down over there. 
So the guy said, well, let me find a seat for you. So then he set us in the very back kind of of the preacher section there. And this really, really talk, just twerked my jaw. <laughs> and so I was not in a good frame of mind to be worshiping God at the moment, you know, because I was mad. I was just going to go back there and hit that usher, tear the whole church up, just wanted to just uh, scream to them all their hypocrites, call fire down from heaven, burn the place to the ground. That was what was going through my mind. So anyway, the meeting goes on, and uh, man, that, that, you know, they start to sing, and I'm worshiping God and trying to get out of almost this thing like this and, 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 and get my heart in the right place. And then, man, all of a sudden, I mean, it was just like somebody turned the heat lamp on me. I mean, it was just like, like I mean, literally, like I felt like I was in a, a, a you know, like somebody just, just literally got one of those flood lamp heat lamps and put it on my head. Man, I was like, man, what in the world? And so, man, I started to sweat and... and Spirit of God started dealing with me. And he says, you know, Robert, you can't be like this. And I said, well, you know, well, it's raised, right's right, wrong's wrong. You ought to talk to them. Why are you talking to me? Why are you burning my head for? Go over there and talk to them, boys. <laughs> and so, you know, so the, 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 you know, that's the way the Holy Ghost does. You know, he just kind of he nudges you because he's not going to come in there and just take over. And so finally he says, you know, Robert, you, you need to be delivered from the opinion of man. And I said, well, man, you know, whatever. I was just non-participating with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, what I want you to do is I want to I get you, because the music's playing, everything's pretty lively going on. He said, I want, you to, I want you to jump out of your seat and I want you to run around the building. And I said, well, there ain't no way I'm doing that. And then it was just like the heat lamp got turned off. And so I said, oh, good, that's over. And then, man, all of a sudden, just like the, he turned the switch back on, heat lamp comes back on, man, I'm sweating. Holy Spirit says, if you run around this building, uh, you'll be delivered from the opinion of man. And I said, I ain't going to do that. That just ain't right. Just not cultured at all. And besides that, I ain't much of a person to jump up. I'm a cowboy. I ain't going to jump up and go run down around the church. That's just ridiculous. Now, there had been other people that ran around the church, you know, and I looked at them and said, look at that idiot, you know, and so. <laughs> and so the third time, switch gets turned on, heat comes on me, I'm sweating. And I mean, like, I'm wet. I'm like sweating wet. And he asked me again, and I said, I'm not going to do it. Just go find somebody else to talk to. And he said, well, that's okay. Even Peter denied me three times. I said, man, that's a low blow. I said, you ain't playing fair, but get out of my way. So I just, my wife was sitting on the other side. I said, move. And so she got out of the way, and I said, I got out. Yeah, so I took off, man. I just took off running. And so I had to run uphill first because it was one of those churches that's big and it's sloped, right? So I had to run uphill first. And like I said, I never was a runner. And I remember there was an usher at the back. It wasn't the usher that had had made me mad, but it was an usher at the back, and I'm running, and the usher looks at me like, I'm going to have to tackle this guy. This guy's out of control. And then all of a sudden, he's just like, well, no, let him go. And he just stepped back, and I cut past him, and I come running, and I made a big old loop. This is a big building. I mean, what, like you just ran around here? I mean, this is a big building. And so then I come, and the, now I'm headed down slope, and I kind of kind of forgot that, you know, I'm running downhill because I'm booking it. I feel, like, I feel like I'm Elijah running in front of the chariot. 
And unbeknownst to me, I'm the only one. All the rest of the people are sitting down and it's just me. I mean, there's, there's several thousand people in this place. And I come around and as I come down, I realize I'm going too fast. I'm running too fast, but I seem to not be able to slow down. And as I'm coming, I, I realize it's a pretty sharp corner and then there's the big stage and stage was up high. And I see that stage, I think, my God, I'm not going to make it. And so I'm running and then I'm trying to get over and I'm trying to lean into the, you know, get around and boom, man, I hit the side of that stage, knocks me flat. I go rolling out across the, the, the floor. The preacher, you know, big name preacher, he's already at the pulpit. He's just watching me over here. I hit, man, pen flies out of my pocket, glasses fly off. Boom, I hit, I roll. He's just standing there watching the whole thing. And uh, I'm laying flat now, wondering if I broke something. And I hear the Spirit of God say, from this day forward, you'll never be worried about the opinion of man. From this day forward, you're going to be free to go do everything I called you to do. Amen? Now, I wanted to get up, but now it's like now I'm, he, the Spirit of God's lifted. So I'm, I'm embarrassed. So I'm trying to figure out how to get, because I still got to crawl a pretty good ways. So I decided I'd crawl rather than try to get up and just run to my chair. And so I started crawling, trying to pick up my stuff as I'm going by. And so I start crawling, but as I start crawling, then whatever happened over the whole thing, the Spirit of God began to touch people. And there was just sections of people that were just falling out under the power of God as I crawled by them. I just cried. I didn't care what was going on. I was like, get to my chair, man. I got to get to my chair. I got to get to my chair. And I just kept going. And the Spirit of God just started moving over people. And people were being touched. And all kinds of things were happening. I didn't care. I didn't, it wasn't my job. I, I just did my part. That's up to the other guy to clean up, you know. And so I just got back over there, got in my chair, sat in my chair. The whole meeting is chaos now. I mean, the whole place is out. Preacher can't get control of anything. Everything's just going on. God's in charge, man. Things are happening. Miracles. He start the band back up. They do all kinds of everything. And so anyway, I didn't care. I got back in my chair and I was delivered and set free. Right? But see, I had to do something that I didn't want to do because God had to break something on the inside of me that was a hard place in my life because I was concerned with the opinion of man. Hello? Okay. Now I'm only concerned that I may not be old enough to make it around. Okay? <laughs> but you got to understand something. This is what I want to put before you. I got six little points. Okay? How are you going to develop a heart that's a heart that's moldable and pliable for God? How are you going to do that? I want to show you six simple things. First one, okay? If you look at Proverbs 23, 17, it'll show you the first one. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the, all the day. For surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. The very first thing you've got to have, if you're going to develop a heart that's moldable and pliable by the Spirit of God, is you have to have a fear of God. Now listen to me, I'm not talking a fear like, oh God, God's going to kill me. I'm talking about knowing that He is God, and believing that He is God, and that He has the power, and that He created this world, and that He puts you on it, and that He's a real, He's a real and he's a real, I don't know where that came from, and that God is real, and that he is going to take care of you, and that he is your God. But if you don't have the fear of God on the inside of you, church, then listen to me. What you're going to do is you're going to fear man more than you fear God. You're going to let man rule you. You're going to let governments rule you. Come on. Don't tell me I can't have church. Right? We got we to gotta be people that are, man, I, listen to me, folks. I, I, I'm an American. I live here. 
Uh, I got a passport for a little while longer and uh, says I'm an American citizen. But I want to tell you something. My government is not going to tell me what I can and do and can't do about my God. Because I fear my God more than I fear the government. I fear my God more than I feel fear jail. Hello? You got to. You guys got to be real to you. You got to live your life in such a way that you do not want to be God offended at you. Huh? Come on. You don't want God offended. You're not worried about how many people you may offend. You don't want God offended. Am I right? And we, if until Americans begin to stand up and begin to say enough's enough, we're going to be in trouble. I'm so proud of some of the churches out in California that stood up to, you know, all the mandates and all these kind of things like that, because there was people that stood up and said, no, we're not. We're having church and whatever. And God bless them because we got to stand up. But listen to me. You're going to let the devil push you around. We have got to have what is really what like the old Pentecostal, you know, 1900 fear of God where we reverence and fear God that he is everything. Okay, that'll straighten your heart up. The second thing is, is listen to me. It goes right along with it. It says, surely there is a hereafter. Folks, listen to me. I believe in heaven. Do you? I'm not going to just die like an animal and just be go back to the dirt. There's a hereafter for me. I'm going to step over into the glory land. You know, what's that old saying? Everybody wants to go to heaven, but just not now. But I want to tell you something. I believe in heaven. I believe in a hereafter. I believe in glory. I believe in streets of gold. I believe in gates of pearls. I believe in mansions. I believe in the, the saints that have gone before us are there. I believe in the whole nine yards. You're not going to talk me out of it. You're not going to come up here with some kind of stupid doctrine and talk me out of whatever I know that the word of God says is mine. I believe that we're going to go out there. We're going to come back. We're going to, we're going to ride horses. We're coming back with Jesus. We're going to be with him in the millennial reign. We're going to be with him forever. We're going to see the devil thrown into the fiery pit. We're going to see Jesus grabbing by the tail. It's real, folks. It's real to me. It's real to me. Every day it's real to me that, yeah, I'm living on this earth, and here I am walking around this old earth suit I got on, but I'm going to step out of it someday, and I'm going to step over into eternity. That's where my real life's going to be. It's real to me. When you have a reality of that, it begins to change your heart. A, a revelation of eternity, it changes your heart. I don't fear death because I can't die. I've been born again. I've been washed in his blood. I'm going to heaven. I know it. Well, how can you be so sure? I know it down here in Manor. You're not going to talk me out of it. So when you have a fear of God in you and you have an understanding, a revelation of eternity, listen to me, it starts changing your heart because I realize whatever I accomplish on this earth, and listen to me, I'm not saying... Whatever you accomplish on this earth, whatever you do that brings you joy and pleasure and you bless your family and you, 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 you create something, glory to God. I, I, glory to God. That's a, you know, that, that don't make, that, that's up to you. But I'm telling you, I don't want to live for just what I can accomplish here on this earth. I don't care how successful I could become. I don't care how big a ranch I could get and how many cows I could have running around all over it. I don't care how much money could be stuffed in the bank. I really don't care how big of a philanthropic you know, enterprise I could have, blessing and giving, like to, to put all my cookies in that. Mine are knowing Jesus and, and going to go to heaven with him and whatever comes about from that experience on this earth, well then glory. 
right? But I can't wait to step over to the other side. I can't wait to be with all the saints. I can't wait to walk up to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. See these dudes. Know what's going on. See my Jesus who gave his life for me. It changes you when you know there is a hereafter. See, what I don't understand is there are people out there that say that they know God, but yet they're living in such a way that is contrary to his word that I don't understand because I'm saying if you know God and you know there's a hereafter and you know you're going to have to meet with Jesus and you know you're doing something that's opposing to the word, then how do you, how do you think you're not going to be in trouble? Do you follow me? How? If the word says don't do this and you go do it and you build a church and a doctrine on it and you do it and it says don't do it, then what are you going to You think you can argue with Jesus when you get to heaven? Well, Lord, you don't understand the times. You were here in heaven and we were down there on earth and we had to go. You know, what are you going to do? You think you're going to make an argument with Jesus? No, you're going to fall into his presence. You're going to be convicted right there. Boom. And that's where that one part and then I think it's uh, Revelation 22 where it says he wipes away all the tears. Yeah, it's going to be some crying. You made it in, but, you know, there's going to be some crying because it wasn't pretty. Okay? So the first thing is the fear of the Lord. The second thing is the hereafter. The third thing is uh, Psalms 121.1. All these things begin to change your heart. Now, I got I to tell you this. In Psalms 121, verse 1, when I first read this, I thought it read, I lift up from my eyes, I lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. And I read it like that a bunch of times. Till finally one day the Holy Spirit said, you're reading it wrong. What it says is, I will lift, I, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. There's a little comma hyphen there. From whence comes my help? There's a question. And then it says, well, my help comes from the Lord. Because you see, when the, oh, in those days, in, in, in wherever you were in the city, you always took the idols out and you put them up on the hills. You put the basically totem poles up there on the hills, and that's where you worship the gods from the hills. And the, and the writer here of, of the Psalms 121 is saying, where, I, I, I'm, where am I going to put my eyes? I look up there to the hills, but no, no, no. My help comes from the Lord. All right? There's a parallel verse that goes with it in Jeremiah 3, 23. It says, Truly in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills and from the multitude of mountains. Truly the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. So in other words, this, this is the third point that keeps your heart to where it's pliable. Where's your help coming from, church? Now, listen, I may step all over your toes here this morning, but I'm just having fun preaching. I'm not mad at you. I'm asking you this morning, where's your help coming from? Is it coming from your own abilities, from your reasoning, from your strength, from your checkbook, your checking account, your business knowledge, your wisdom, your ability, your friends? Where's your help coming from this morning? See, why is it? And as a pastor, I see this all the time. And I just want to throw down and beat something. Because so many people never turn to God, never ask God for help, never develop a relationship with God until they're in serious trouble. And then when they're in serious trouble, they're like, oh, God, help me. 
way. And I'm like, why didn't you know him, build a relationship with him? Why don't you know his word before you got to this point? You're in trouble now because I got to try to believe for a miracle for you and you ain't got no faith. Everything I do in life, I have to get it from the Lord. When I'm making my coffee in the morning, I'm asking him to make it right. So what I'm saying to you, are, are you looking for him to be your strength in everything, to keep you alive, to give you wisdom, to do everything? Are you going to God and saying, man, Jesus, you got to help me here. Give me the wisdom to know what to do. Give me the, the wisdom to know what to take, to drink, to eat, to walk, to do whatever. If you're not, well, then see, your eyes would be looking somewhere else. And that's going to cause your heart to become hard when he shows up. you got to be like a little baby in the arms of Jesus that you're not going to survive unless he's taking care of you. It's the best place to be. So that was number three, I think. Yeah, something like that. Okay. So now I want to go to Acts 22.14. Yeah, so I got my numbering wrong here. So I'm going to have seven points today instead of six, but y'all just adjust. Okay, Acts 22, 14. The Apostle Paul is still giving his discourse before, uh, by, into the governor there. And he said, and he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one, hear the voice of his mouth, for you will be his witness to all men of what I have seen and heard. And now why are you waiting? Arise, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. The next one is, is folks, listen to me. You have got to realize that you have been chosen. Now listen to this. I don't want you to get too big of a big head first before I explain it. God didn't look down on the earth and say, yeah, I'll I'll take him. It wasn't like picking a, a red rover. Hello? It wasn't like all the kids standing in a group and two team members out there picking to who's going to be in your team for Red Rover. Hello? It wasn't what God did. God chose everybody. The Bible says that their salvation is not limited to just a few. Everybody can be saved, but God knows that there are people who are not going to choose him. But everybody's been chosen. Everybody has an opportunity through Jesus. Hello? to be saved, to confess with their mouth and believe in him as their Lord and Savior and be saved, right? But those of you that have made that choice, then you're called the chosen. John 15, 16 says, and by the way, you didn't choose me, I chose you. They say, ah, you know, I was out there, I was lost and undone and I found the Lord. Lord, Lord wasn't lost, you were the one that was lost, right? He chose you. Every one of you, everybody say, I'm chosen. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just want you to understand, you can say that with all confidence, I'm chosen. Right? I'm chosen. Chosen by God. All right? What are you chosen for? That you should go and bear fruit. We're supposed to be fruit bearers. We're supposed to be producing Jesus everywhere we go. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'd give you. You see, folks, I I got a new message coming up, but I'm just not ready to preach it yet, about what does heaven look like, okay? I don't know the title of this now, but I'm just giving you a little little appetizer, a little 
teaser here. What is, what's in heaven? What's going on in heaven? But the Bible says the kingdom and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Huh. So I guess church is supposed to show some similitude of a representation of what's going on in heaven. But if we don't really know what's going on in heaven, then how can we really know what we should be doing on earth? Anyway, it's going to be really good. But my point is that we are chosen. And if we don't accept it, that we are God's special people, that we're chosen to be his representatives on the face of this earth, we're chosen to be his ambassadors, that there is something special about you. See, I feel privileged that God reached down and got an idiot like me. That he didn't leave me and say, Robert, I've had enough. I'm so glad that God reached down and pulled me literally out of a pig pen in life. And that he, he saved me and, and, and forgave me and, and cleansed me and wanted to have a relationship with me. The king of kings wants to have a relationship with me. All because I gave my heart to him. And I did like the apostle Paul, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he wanted to be a part of my life. I'm so glad. I am so glad. Holy cow, how can I be out of time? I'm so glad that he chose me, that he didn't leave me. Folks, listen to me. I know I have a fear of God in me. I know that there is a hereafter, but I'm just... I, I, cannot, I can't express to you what I feel on the inside of my heart as the honor to go to heaven. Yes, Lord. That I even, folks, that I even get to stand in the same room with Abraham. Amen. I'm just like, wow, Elijah. Of course, I can, if I was, I was saying about this the other day, I can't be too intimidated by Elijah because if I do, I just have to say, is that Jezebel over there? <laughs> oh, shut up, Robert. I mean, he didn't make a mistake. I don't know whether I want to keep going or not. I got three more. Yeah, but then I'd have something to preach next week. <laughs> Preachers, we got to know how to stretch this out. Now, let me give you one more. Matthew 7, 24. Okay. So we realize we're chosen. Matthew 7, 24. Story you know. Jesus says, Therefore, whoever hears these things of mine and does them, I will liken him into a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rains descended, the floods came, the wind blew, and it beat on that house, and it did not fall, it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, the rains came, the winds blew. You notice that both things happen to both people. The winds and the flood came to both were the one that was on the rock and the one that was on the sand. Folks, listen to me. Just because you're a Christian, you are not immune from the, from the trials and the tribulations that go on in this world. We live in a fallen world. I've tried to get this across so many times. We live in a fallen world. This is not the Garden of Eden. We are not in the place that's perfect with God. We live in a fallen world. And the wind and the rain's going to blow. But if you're standing on the rock, your house will stand. But if you're on the sand, ooh, man. You're in trouble because the wind's going to come. The rain's going to come. It's going to begin to undermine your, your foundation. It's going to begin to take it out. No matter how good your foundation is, you laid down. If you laid it down on something that wasn't strong, it's going to fail. 
right? You can say, I've got a great foundation, but what was it laid down on? It has to come to that first surrendering point of that you're fearing God and you believe in a hereafter, and he's got your heart. All right? Now, it's interesting to me that Jesus found some people that said, Lord, yeah, we've been doing your will, and we've been out casting out devils. We've been doing all this kind of stuff for you, telling everybody about you. And he said, man, depart from me. I don't even know who you are. That, to me, is like, woohoo. I'll never forget when I was in Russia. Uh, the first time I saw the Russian Orthodox um, clergy, I don't know what you exactly call them, the first time I saw them, I was like, I mean, I was freaked. I was like, dude, that ain't right. I mean, I was like, I, I was like so, like, I didn't want to be in the same area with them. In that they looked so demonic. And the feeling coming off of them was so demonic. And they just were dressed like Dracula. And I was like, dude, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus, you know. Foul devil from the pit of hell. My point is, is I, I'm just saying, some things, there's a lot of people out there doing things that make it look like religion on the outside, but they, woo, man, it ain't the will of God. It is not the will of God, and I don't want to be a part of that. I do not want to be a part of that. I want to know the will of God. I want to know the will of God for every little thing going on in my life. All right? And when I know something is not the will of God, then I want to get out of it as quick as I possibly can. And I have, got to admit, I have put my foot in before into something, and then God said, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, goodness gracious, you know. But got some mud on my boot, and got to have the Holy Ghost help me clean it up. Y'all ever stepped in something that you didn't want to step in? That's happened a few times to me. And, you know, sometimes you get it cleaned off, the stink's still there. And that's okay. The Holy Ghost has got some good deodorizer. He can help you. He can get it off you. All right? But you just got to desire it. You got to desire it. Okay? So let me go on here. I'll just be just a couple of seconds more. No, I won't. You know I won't. I'm going to stop. That's what I'm going to do. I want you to put your Bible up. I want you to stop, and I want to pray for you is what I want to do. I want to see God do miracles. I want to see God do miracles in our heart and our lives. Now listen to me, church. If, if, you're, if you're, like as I'm preaching this, you're just amen and saying, Pastor, I'm right with you. That is exactly how I'm believing. Well, you know, I'm glad. But then if I'm, if, if I'm preaching like this, I'm preaching like this so that you can have some information on the inside of you to share with somebody else. You can have some notes and some scriptures down there that you're ready to fire off to somebody and say, hey, man, I, I got a message for you, and boom, deliver it, okay? But if you're in here, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you, because you, you've been, you know, raised in a situation where, you know, you're, you've been in this, the, 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 you know, the, the religious covering or whatever, and, and, and you know, maybe you don't want to yield too much because you're scared something might happen. God might take over my life. Be the best thing that ever happened to you and get you out of the driver's seat, okay? So my point is, church, is if, if you're having any fear, and as I'm preaching this to you, I know the Holy Spirit is convicting people of things in their life as I'm going through this and saying this that is convicting you of, of issues in your own life. And let me tell you something, folks. That's where you need to take notes 
because that's what you need to deal with, and that's what you need to throw out on the altar of God. All right? If it's something, you know, that, that God's really dealing with you, maybe you need to be scheduled for freedom prayer. That's what freedom prayer is all about. It's helping people get free. Dr. Brown's over there. There's other people over here. We got, well, I don't see anything up there, but we got we, the back of the church or something. Get with somebody because somebody will tell you how to get signed up for freedom prayer. You go sit down with some people and get free. That's what it's about. Freedom. Amen? Because sometimes we've got hangups and hookups that we shouldn't be hooked up and hung up with. So I want to pray for you. So I want to ask everybody just to stand up if you would. For those of you out there watching the broadcast, listening today, if that's you, then I want to pray for your heart. And I want to pray for you to have a revelation today of, of everything that I've, I've preached. Matter of fact, while I'm praying for this, can I just have some of my prayer team people come down and be up front here? So if you're out there and you're watching and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's your first step because I told you, you got to have the fear of God. And if you've been out there thinking that you can get saved or you can get to heaven because there's multiple ways and you can do whatever, no, I'm telling you, there's only one way. That Jesus himself said, there's only one way to the Father and that's through me. So you're not going to be walking in a relationship with Jesus I mean, walking on, on, on a path to heaven unless you have a relationship with Jesus. And he's really simple. He said, if you'll just ask him to come into your life, asking it shall be given, seeking you shall find, knocking the door shall be open unto you. So if you're out there or in here today and you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, well, then that's where you need to start. You can do it simply by praying and saying, Jesus, come into my life. I want you in my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. Cleanse me and wash me and make me free. And he'll come in and touch you right where you're at, in your home, in your car, wherever you are right now. If you're in the sanctuary here, we've got prayer people to come up here. And, and you can come up with them and they will pray with you and ask you and, and, and lead you to Jesus. Amen? But let me pray over your hearts. Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name over each and every person that's got ears to hear this message going out today. I declare, Lord God, that, that whatever they've been pricked about in their hearts, whatever they've been pricked about in their hearts, that they've got a hard spot. That, Lord, today, by the power of the Holy Ghost, you will lead them and guide them in the path so that they can be free. So that, Lord God, they can, can be delivered and have a heart that melts and is moldable by you. Lord, I pray over each and every one of them right now. I declare, Lord God, that this word sinks within them, that there's a Holy Ghost conviction on each and every one of them. That, God, they, they today are, are on fire for you. That there's a fire that starts burning down in their bones, oh, Lord God, for you. And they will not relent. They will not stop until they have accomplished everything for you. So, Lord, bless them. Put your hand upon them. Lead us through people out there this week, Lord, that need help so that we can lead them and guide them to you. And Lord, I ask you right now in the mighty name of Jesus to bless them. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. We're here to pray for you if you need.